On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business in order to get what you want. If it's that record deal, if it's that management deal, if it's that booking agency deal, if that's publishing deal, better co-writes, you're going to need to prove a track record. You're going to need to show people that you mean business, not just from your heart. We got to show it on paper. And that's what this show's about. We called it The Climb for a reason. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Picking up what I'm putting down. Are you smelling when I'm stepping in right here? Okay. That is a backstory created by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple of charted number ones this year on Christian Radio as well. Congratulations to you, Brent. But Brent, what I love about him is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by teaching you how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on the regular, he gives you opportunities to connect with the pros and start relationships, which is how this business works. And you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I am proud to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns a Daredevil production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny is smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you doing, my brother? Man, I'm good. I'm trying like a little standing desk kind of thing for uh, my recording. So I got my laptop on a music stand and my mic on a music stand. I'll see if that helps my energy a little more. Yeah, we're also talking about this off the air that... I should be in traction right now, I think, like in a hospital, because I've been putting off working out f- for way, way too long, more than I'm, I care to admit, and went back to the gym on Saturday, and I'm, I'm a hot ghetto mess. I'm in so much pain from none other than the fact that I blew it off. You know, I didn't get hurt, but it feels like I got hit by a train. <laughs> feels like I got hurt. <laughs> Yeah, everything hurts. And all I did was work out my chest, but everything hurts. <laughs> and I'm like, crap, I'm, my baby sister's an ER physician. I'm calling her. I'm like, I think I think I might have broke something. I think I might have hurt something. And she's like, just take take four Advil and call me in the morning. <laughs> I think I tore something. It's, 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 my, it's my glasses and my shoes. It's terrible. <laughs> anyway, so what are we going to learn about today? Well, today we are going to do a hit song breakdown. I haven't done one of these in a while, so I thought... I love these. Um, today we're going to break down Morgan Wallen's hit song, More Than My Hometown. It's climbing the charts, and it's been a while since I've done one of these, so we're going to do that today. We're going to dive in and see some songwriting lessons that we can pull out to help us hopefully write our own hits. So, More Than My Hometown, we're coming for you today. Awesome. Well, before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. First of all, we are proud, 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 proud to be a part of this amazing American Songwriter Magazine Podcast Network. It's really called the American Songwriter Podcast Network. 
but it's based around American Songwriter Magazine, which is a brand that's been around since the early 80s. And man, we couldn't be more happy to be on this. You agree with that, Brent? I never had the arms or the legs or the lungs to make it to ESPN, but I made it on to the ASPN, which is That's all right. right. I like that. That's right. <laughs> so join the climb community if you haven't done so. Man, we got like almost, we got a boatload of people ready to be let in. I just was looking at it. I put up some killer content posts on there yesterday and one this morning. And that's even picking up more steam. And it's just been slow but steady since we started it. And this is a great community of people asking questions, getting answers from other people on marketing, songwriting. We've got co-writes that have happened. We've got international co-writes that have happened that are successful from that. So we're super proud of that. And you have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in, but you got to be good boys and girls. We give you plenty of places to shine, okay? So don't come in and spray and pray. This is a professional, high-level organization. This is not where you're going to come in and have everybody come to your show or anything like that, period. So just be cool with that. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Also, leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200. Uh And we'd love to do that by the end of the year. So take a couple seconds, leave a rating and review. And then finally, the best thing you can do, we got a lot of regular climbers out there. If we can command this kind of time from you once or twice a week, please tell somebody why. That's a big deal. Believe me, Brent and I are so very much aware of that. So tell another musician, another songwriter, another artist, another singer, hey, you should check this out. There's a lot of really good information on here. That's the best way you can pay homage to us and help us help Mm -hmm. more people. That's right. And speaking of new reviews, we have one here. It's a nice five-star review from Clay Motley, who I know you've met with Johnny and I've done a little bit of work with him myself. Yeah. Yeah. So it says, as an independent musician trying to find my way through the music industry on my own, this podcast has been more than helpful with specific information, myth busting stories and real life accounts and interviews with people working in the industry. It's like having your own in-person apprenticeship. So, Clay, thank you very much for that tasty five star review. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Clay. Clay's a professional, by the way. He's a consummate pro. I believe he's the bass player for Tony Jackson when he's not doing his own artist thing. Very cool. Which is cool. And Tony did the duet with some former clients of mine and still very dear friends of mine, William's Honor. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Loretta Lynn song maybe or something. It was a vintage country song and, and Country Rebel put it on on their page. And I mean, it got, I think got a million views or something. Ooh. It was completely organic just because Country Rebel has is such a big force and they have so much traffic. So Tony Jackson is a really, really good singer, regular working artist, making a living doing this. And you know what? It makes my heart warm when we got professionals that feel like that. You know, it means we're really, really bringing some value to this. So we wouldn't do it if, if it wasn't like that, if we weren't attracting those kind of people. So I'm awesome. Yep. And so happy about that. Thank you, Clay. And also, I just said I'm awesome. Did you see that? Well, I was just going <laughs> to. I envy us. What the hell? <laughs> wow. You did. Good thing I don't say that about myself because I'm twice as humble as you are. I'm so humble. It would blow your mind. <laughs> Lord, it's hard to be humble. It's hard to be humble. Rest in peace. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Well, actually, before we do that, we like to share our win for the week, our new heights segment. So over right. in the Climb community, which Johnny already talked about, every Wednesday we post the new heights. It's your time to share your wins under that post. We encourage you to brag on yourself. And so you can be like Johnny and say, 
I'm awesome. Big or small, we love them all. And so I'm just going to share a few. We got one from Chris Roggy Fisher. It says, I hope I haven't posted this already. It's okay if you post your win more than once. It says, Texas Country Music Awards are November 15th, and I'm in the top 10 finalists for the Texas Country Music Association Songwriter of the Year. Woo! Also, my co-writer and I have a couple possible cuts that are being considered. It says, Brent, I'm so grateful I found you and Johnny. You've helped me more than you'll ever know. I'm grateful. Christina Bandu. So that's awesome. That's one of them. And oh, another one on here. Actually, just to uh, let you all know, I got a song, Hallelujah Homecoming. That's on the uh, Southern Gospel charts and on the singingnews.com Power 50 weekly chart. So Singing News is like a billboard for Southern Gospel. Uh, it's their weekly chart. It's up to number 14. So we got a bullet and we're moving up there with Hallelujah Homecoming on Wilburn and Wilburn and hoping it becomes my second number one in Southern Gospel. So congratulations. I've had one number one on Christian Radio this year in Southern Gospel. We're hoping this becomes number two. So we'll see. I got a question for you on that real quick on the side. So I know that you're working a lot with the two co-writers that are, who are they? It's Kenna West and Jason Cox. Yeah. And they got like boatloads of number one. So, I mean, I don't think you're going to get in a better swimming pool than that one to Um, do it with. But because of this activity now in this specific genre, have you gotten other opportunities to write with? I mean, there's got to be a bunch of other number one sort of rooms that you can get into separate from them, right? It's funny you should ask. One of the other big writers in Southern is a guy named Lee Black and great singer. He joined this group called Legacy Five as one of their singers. So he's one of the five. And I think I've worked with them. They're an older group, aren't they? Yeah. So that was before Lee would have come on board, but Lee's written a bunch of number one. So Lee and I have been writing together for year, year and a half or something. And so we just haven't landed anything yet, but we're getting a bunch of stuff in the can. So, I mean, really those three, there are several other great writers, but they get a bunch of cuts. So I've been very blessed to get in those rooms and through having relationships over at Daywind. And then you start writing with Jason, Jason writes with Lee and Lee writes with Ken and they, you know, they, everybody writes together. Same thing as in country or whatever. Sure. The top dogs work together. And so I'm trying to work my way through those rooms. Also write with Zane and Donna King or independent artists and also songwriters in that world. And so I've had the most success so far with Jason and Kenna. Partly because Kenna works her tail off pitching. She's a hustler. Lee's more out on the road and that kind of stuff. He gets kind of cuts through day wind, but we just got to make those happen. But anyway, nice. yeah, so I've been blessed. It has opened up some more doors. And with me being out of town most of the time, I'm not getting in the room with artists as much and that kind of thing. But doesn't hurt. It was funny. Actually, the time of this recording, in two days, I guess, the Dove Awards would be out. We're nominated for Songwriters of the Year for... Really? Get a witness. Yeah. So by the time this airs, you know, it'll be... How do you watch that? TBN, Trinity Broadcast Network. And I guess you can follow along online and like Facebook stuff. And it's funny, I was texting with Lee when the nominations came out because I was curious. Like, I've never been nominated for a Dove. I'm like, how's this work? What's going on? Of course, this year, they're not having the live show. Lee was like, yeah. Yeah, the one time, the one time. That sucks. Yeah, Lee said, it's always my favorite night of the year. Me and my wife get dressed up and we go, and it's always just a great night. And this time we'll be watching on the TV. And he's nominated for some stuff too, Legacy 5 is, you know. So I'll be following it online, which, hey, it's an honor to be nominated. But it is kind of fun. You're like trying to get that way into that world. Like, oh, this is a good opportunity to go and meet people and just see and be seen and different stuff. And this year's kind of blowing a lot of that out. But it's all right. God's providing and it's working out how it's supposed to work out. And I expect to totally get 
blasted by the Gaithers because Bill Gaithers up for songwriter of the year and Bill Gaithers just a legend. So I figured Bill would win it, but I'm happy to be nominated. Oh my God. Now I want to watch. I was telling my wife, it's like, you know what? I can always say now Dove nominated songwriter. They can't take that away. It'd be nice to say Dove winning. Yes. But at the very least, Dove nominated. You can't get to win without a nom. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about Morgan Wallen. All right. <laughs> so here's the deal. This song, More Than My Hometown, recorded by Morgan Wallen. It was written by Ernest Smith Hardy or Michael Hardy. A lot of people just know him by Hardy. He's also an artist. Morgan Wallen and Ryan Voldesack, maybe. And it's a great example of solid country lyric and just, man, solid country hit songwriting. So we're going to dive into this and we may pop in a smidgen of it in post Aaron, maybe. And if not, just turn on your country radio. You're going to hear it. (laughs) I like the title. I like the alliteration of more my, Mm -hmm. more than my hometown. And I like the mystery of it. Like what's more than my hometown? What does that mean? What are you doing with this? It doesn't give the whole song away, but the mention of hometown has me curious because hometown is a very emotional thing for people. People have emotional connection, good or bad to their hometown. And so it's like relevant because we all have hometown, right? But there's a mystery to it. Like, what's, what's going to go on here? So I think that's good. I call that winning before you're spinning. I see that yeah. title, I'm already intrigued. And so you already have my attention. And I'm more likely to want to listen to that than if a song is just called I Love You. <laughs> that sounds unimaginative. More than my hometown, I'm already, maybe it's the writer in me, I'm already trying to go, okay, what do they mean by that? I don't know if civilians think that way, but I see a title, I'm already trying to figure out how they've written it. So that gets my attention. Now, let's check some of the boxes here. The song is about three and a half minutes, which is a good, solid radio time. So check mm-hmm. that. Three and a half minutes. It's not too long. I don't know if there's anything that's too short on radio, I guess. But he's a rising artist, and so he's getting a lot of airplay. He's having hits, but he's not asking for four or five minutes of a playlist, right? He's asking for three and a half minutes, which is not unusual, if you're Tim McGraw, you can put out, you know, a four and a half minute live like you were dying because it's freaking live like you were dying and you're a massive megastar already. And you can demand a bigger percentage of that because we talked so much about the bottleneck of terrestrial radio. You only get so many spins in, so many songs in every 24 hours and every jockeying for position. If you come out with a five minute song, you're basically taking a slot and a half. So that's just something to think about when you're writing your songs is songs are trending shorter. So three and a half minutes is good. Check that. It has tempo and a good energy to it, which is super important too, right? It's radio likes energy. Radio likes tempo. I think playlist generally like tempo. People just generally like something that feels good and has good energy to it. It's not rocket science, but so many of us like to write ballads because I feel it and it's important. And so I'm going to write this and I need you to pay attention to my magnificent words. So I'm going to slow it down so you hear every word, right? It's just kind of our natural bent as writers, so many of us, but you mm-hmm. the radio and playlist and hits and so much of it is tempo kind of setting some foundational stuff here. So it has some tempo and some energy to it. Check. If you're not writing with some tempo, it's a critical skill. If you want to be a pro writer, you know, it's hard enough to make it in this biz as a writer, period. It's even harder to make it as a songwriter. If you're writing like 90% ballads or even 50% ballads, the math is just against you. Which by the way, if I can just interrupt for a second, I don't think we've had a publisher on our show yet that disagreed with that percentage of songs that they get, 90% are ballads. They get a lot of ballads. Listen, if you're writing ballads a lot, you're probably pretty good at writing ballads. So (laughs) why not just switch it up for giggles? 
take a couple of those bouts and put some tempo to them and see what happens. You don't have to forsake anything. It's not sacrilegious to do that. You can have two versions of the same song. Mm -hmm. You certainly wouldn't be upset if, by the grace of God, you got a cut on your ballad and then 25 thousand planets aligned and your ballad became a hit and then somebody took that hit and made it into a tempo song <laughs> right you wouldn't be upset about that well why not just do it yourself and have two different songs so hey you got a slow version of it. here's a fast version exactly you know, like better? funny story about that so last week it was a writing heavy week so i was really focused on getting a lot of rights and i wrote probably seven songs or something ridiculous last week and one of those was a ballad one yeah just one yep. And the one ballad, because I'm working with this bluegrass writer, he's really good, and he's also producing this act. And so we wrote this song. He's like, hey, I'm working with this act. We're going in like on Monday, and they want like an old-timey classic Tennessee whiskey or classic country ballad type thing. Mm-hmm. He had an idea, and we wrote that. So the one thing we wrote as a ballad out of like seven last week was the artist wants this sort of thing, and I'm producing them. Let's see if we can write it. So then you're actually putting the math in your favor. You see a need, and I'm going to feel that need. It's a problem. I'm going to solve it. However, before we hopped off, though, he's like, but if they don't cut this, this is a really cool song. If they don't cut it, you know what I'll do? And then he started chunking it and playing it with some tempo. He's like, I can just do it like this if I'm going to pitch it, if they don't cut it. And he just immediately turned this slow country ballad into like a mid-tempo country thing or bluegrass thing just by changing up the tempo and the feel same lyric he's like i could probably do this if they don't cut it then we'll pitch it like this as a tempo because he knows tempo man is so much better chance of getting cut in bluegrass but it's that way in every genre sure he was thinking like the pro that he is going well they want this sort of ballad okay we have the inside track i can play for him on monday to fill that need and that slot on that record but if it doesn't well i'm not going to pitch the ballad version i mean we all have it but i'm probably gonna up the tempo because i know in general that's what people are looking for i think about hollywood and i think about all the different kinds of cuts that you get when you buy that dvd set you get the original director's cut here's what i wanted Mm -hmm. before they chopped it up to put it in the movie theaters because of certain reasons and they like it they don't like it but those things happen for a reason or When you have like a big, long song that they're going to edit for the radio, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a good hit, but the recording that you did, this happens more in rock than country, but the recording that you did is too long, right? So they're going to do some edits to it or whatever. The radio edit, where they edit out some of the bad words. Tom Petty, let's roll another year. Yeah. I think that sometimes maybe songwriters take themselves a little too seriously in the sense that they're like, no, this absolutely has to be a ballad. There's just no other way to write it. And I'm always just wondering, like, why wouldn't you do both? I mean, you and I have talked about doing mm-hmm. demos for songs where you keyed it a certain way because it could go one way or the other, female or male. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a male to sing on it. You've got a female to sing on it. And then you had made it into a duet, too. Yeah, I've done that. What would stop you from taking the top five ballads you've ever written just for giggles? Mm-hmm. And turning them into tempo songs and seeing what would happen. I mean, I feel like sometimes there's so much resistance from that because they feel like it's done. They feel like it's sort of untouchable, like it's sacrilegious or something, or it's going to bastardize the art. But what if it's the thing that gets you a cut? It helps you move up that stack of, well, here's these writers doing all these ballads. Yeah. From the numbers perspective, obviously, that's common sense. But I'm just talking about like from the artist heart, from the writer heart. You know, it's like, yeah. I just think that would be absolutely a fascinating exercise. Mm-hmm. The same way song title challenges. 
yeah. shout out in the climb community. Like if you've done that, how many songs have you done it to and how did it turn out? I'm interested. And I'm curious too. I'm thinking, I'm sure on YouTube, you know, there's so many covers and stuff. I'm wondering how many people have covered ballads and made them into tempo. Ooh, you know, that would be interesting to dive into that and see what the energy is different. Of course, if it's a cover, it's probably already been a hit, but just hear it reimagined. You know, we know they do all kinds of different stuff with covers. That's part of why we love them is somebody makes it their own. But like, ooh, turn into a tempo. If I hadn't heard that before, the original ballad version, what would I think about this? I wish I thought of that. I'm <laughs> jealous. Get the math in your favor, right? May the math be with you. Also, here, what else about More Than My Hometown by Morgan Wall? It's sung Me to You, meaning first person, direct address. I love you more than a California sunset, more than a beer when you ain't 21 yet. I love you more than this. But girl, I can't love you more than my hometown. It's more intimate. It's more direct and personal. It's more impactful. Mm-hmm. Either you feel like he's singing to you or you're overhearing this conversation instead of him telling you about, well, I love her more than this, but I can't love her more than my hometown. That just loses a little bit of emotional steam to it. If it goes second or third person, he can't love her more than his hometown. Okay, it's still an interesting thing, but especially artists these days are so autobiographical. It's all confessional, even if they didn't write it. Now, Wallen wrote on this one, but it's so much more the way to go in general. Some songs may need a third person or a second person or something because of the subject matter. It may protect the artist. But in general, first person is more intimate and it's more emotionally impactful. So, they- Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new Factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Do that. So far, they're checking all the boxes, right? It's mm-hmm. also a love song. So there's like love, tempo, a direct address, the time is good. It also has a bunch of imagery, which is super important in country. So California sunset, beer. The feeling when the bass hits a hook, mm. the guy gets a girl at the end of a book. So I see a book. It might be the last time I get to lay you down. And so it talks about train tracks and cup of coffee in the morning. So there's just a lot of imagery in there. So that's another check for our country songwriting checklist. And some of you are going to get mad that I talk about a checklist or that I'm saying check, 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 right? Like cookie cutter crap. Well, you know what? People like cookies and bakeries make a lot of money. This stuff works. You can't just write like Anna got a DeVita. The country version of that, nine minutes long, and then be pissed off that it's not on the radio. You got to keep it like in a certain kind of formula. And by the way, if you do like 
250 songs in that certain kind of formula is how you're going to learn how to write that one song that works that doesn't have a formula. But it ain't going to happen from you Monday morning quarterbacking it by hating on checks <laughs> yeah. before you've done it. And they're principles that work. Yeah, It's like, oh, I'm hating that it's just a cookie cutter checklist on how to win a girl's heart by like being nice and telling her sweet things about herself and taking a shower so you smell good. It's like all cookie cutter crap on how to date a girl. <laughs> no, this is what works. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that you got to step on the gas to get the car to move. It's so That's cookie, cookie cutter. cutter. <laughs> I want like a set of rowers. I want to pedal like a bike and make my car. No, it's like principles. It's kind of how stuff's set up to work. You can call it cookie cutter, but thing is, man, just look at what's working and what's not. You know, you still have your cookie and you can add in some interesting ingredients. What else we got here? So a lot of imagery, which is important. Oh, feel. So we talked about tempo, but feel like it's a heartbreak song, but it feels good. It moves, it grooves, but with a touch of melancholy, right? So it still fits the thing, but it's a heartbreak song. He's like breaking up with this girl. She's leaving and he's like, I love you, but I don't love you more than my hometown. I'm just not the guy that goes off and chases his dreams in California. And like, I'm born here, raised here, die here. I love you. I don't love you more than my hometown. It's a breakup song and I do love you, but sorry, this is it. He's leaving. She's not leaving. He's leaving. leaving. She's leaving? Yeah, he's like, I love you more than all the stuff, but I don't love you more than my hometown. Oh, yeah. He's staying. She's going. He's not going with her. That's melancholy. That's sad. He's torn, but he's choosing his hometown and the life that he knows because that's just who he is. So it is a heartbreak thing, but it feels good. It feels optimistic and it feels good, even though there's that touch of melancholy in there. So you get kind of the best of both worlds. You get the heaviness, the meat of the situation. Also, it's interesting because there's kind of a universality to it of the topic of people moving out to chase their dreams and those people that like where they live. They don't want to go out and move across the country. This is who I am. I don't want to go anywhere. And a lot of people can relate to that or even they can't. They can relate to maybe one side of it or the other because you either stay or you go. So either way, there's some part of it to latch on to. So there's a lot of universal feel to it. You know, I was in college. I was dating a girl. She transferred schools. And... I enjoyed dating her, but we knew that was it. So it was like, all right, good luck. <laughs> you know, so that was the end of us dating because she was moving. I didn't have that kind of relationship where I was like going to go chase her, or, you know, transfer schools too, or that she was going to stay or that we were going to try and make it work long distance. We just knew that, okay, this has run its course. It was a good thing. So a lot of people can relate to that kind of stuff. But overall, the song feels good, which is super important. So again, those heartbreak things you think might need to be valid, maybe you can make it feel good. Let's look at the course. Let's break down some of the lyric of the course. If you have it, play it. If not, I'll just read it here. It says, I love you more than a California sunset, more than a beer when you ain't 21 yet, more than a Sunday morning Lord turning some poor lost souls round, hallelujah bound. Yeah, I love you more than the feeling when the bass hits a hook, when the guy gets the girl at the end of the book. But baby, this might be the last time I get to lay you down because I can't love you more than my hometown. So most of the verse focuses on how much he loves her, right? It's all, I love you more than this. I love you more than that. I love you more than that. So it doesn't focus on the negative. It focuses on the positive, which helps the chorus and the whole song to feel good. Like, you know, if you're just singing along, I love you more than a California sunset, more than a beer when you ain't 21 yet. Oh, it feels good, right? It's positive vibe. It's not till the very end that they flip it to the heartbreak. Six lines of positive. I love you more than this and I love you more than that. And then line seven and eight, seven goes, but... 
this might be the last time I get to lay you down because I can't love you more than my hometown. Wow. So you still get mostly a positive vibe, right? On the course. So you sing along, it's mostly positive. Helps the song to feel good, even though it's a heartbreak thing. And he's not focusing on the negative. Let's look at the first verse. First line, girl, our mamas are best friends and so are we. The whole town's rooting for us like the home team. Most likely to settle down, plant a few roots real deep and let them grow. This is the first verse. So it sets up the love story and the hometown theme, which are the two main things in the song. It sets it up right from the beginning. Our mamas are best friends and so are we. Oh, that's small town, right? The town is rooting for us like we're the home team. So boy, that just screams small town, hometown, doesn't it? The lyric gets on point immediately. Yeah. Which is cool. He's like rooting for us like the home team. I'm seeing Batesville, Arkansas, hometown Pioneer Football Stadium, you know? Golden Darien Comets. <laughs> Go Pioneers. So that's what Go I'm seeing. Like the rooting for us like the home team, you know, settle down, put some roots. And then here comes a turn. But we can't stop this real world from spinning us. Your bright lights called. I don't blame you for picking up. Your big dream bags are all packed up and ready to go, but I just need you to know. So here comes the word world helps us set up the small town versus the big world, right? The bright lights and the big dreams, and she's packed and she's ready to go. So now we get the conflict. Man, they're rooting for us. Everybody's rooting for us. We're friends and we're in love and most likely to settle down. But man, the world is calling. You got these big dreams you're packing up and you're going to go. But I just need you to know this. But what's great is they don't just tell us this stuff. They show us so much. We see the mamas. We see cheering for a football team. We see roots in the ground. We see bright lights and bags getting picked up and packed. We see a lot, which makes it more real. It's not just talking about it. It's like you've got some imagery to follow along with here and see. It's more of an immersive experience for the listener and just grounds it, makes it feel more real. If somebody's telling you a story and they're giving you details, it's just more believable, right? Exactly. So we've already talked about the course, but let's point out some of the imagery here in the course. Okay, apart from California, which kind of helps us understand where the girl's going to, it's mostly small town imagery, beer, church, fishing. And in the second to last line, this might be the last time I get to lay you down. It puts a picture in there too. It doesn't just say our time is running out because I can't love you more than my hometown. <laughs> right. They put it in a picture. This might be the last time I get to lay you down which is more of an image and it adds more context. Like they're making out, but he knows it may be the last time because he loves her, but he doesn't love her more in his hometown. He's not going to go with her. And so look for those opportunities to put a picture where you could have just put telling. What does this look like? I have wristbands that say willpower on W I L L it's Baxter name. What's it look like? And so you have an emotion, you have a situation, always be asking yourself, what's it look like? And how can I, Put what it looks like into my lyric because willpower is going to bring power to your song. So they could have just told us our time is running out, but I can't see that. And it's not compelling. But this might be the last time I get to lay you down. That's an image. It's real. It's believable. It can put a picture in your mind. And man, how bittersweet is that? On the sweet side, he's getting to lay her down. On the bitter side, this might be the last time. That really speaks to that bittersweetness of the situation. He loves her, but this is coming to an end. Man, he's talking about on target. The line that sticks out to me so far in this chorus <laughs> is more than a beer when you ain't 21. It feels like a score. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, how great is something you love, but it's also a different way of saying it. Yeah. It's an interesting rhyme for sunset. One yet. 
Yeah. And I guess that's every town, right? But I guess because I grew up in a small town, that feels more like small town. Kids and young and yeah. it helps the lyric feel young too. Cause who knows, maybe she just graduated high school or maybe she's just out of college or but it feels young, like she's off to chase her dreams. And so lines like that, beer when you ain't twenty one yet kind of brings some of the youthfulness to it, which is also important if you want to get on the radio, because most of these artists sing from a young point of view, no matter how old they are. And most of them are young, but even the ones that are more veteran tend to sing from a younger point of view. But it's something that an older person could sing because he's not saying he's not 21 yet. He's just saying, I love you more than that feeling that I can remember. That's a great line. And puts that image in there and just conjures up a lot of stuff. Oh, and the course, it sings well. It's so important that your chorus sings well. If it doesn't sing, it won't get sung. That's what it comes down to, right? If it doesn't sing well, it's not going to get sung. So it's super important that they wrote a chorus that you can actually sing. So third verse, all right? I think this is cool. I ain't the runaway kind. I can't change that. My heart's stuck in these streets like the train tracks. City sky ain't the same black. Ain't that a map dot chain, man, to think that. I love you more than California Sunset. Map dot shame. <laughs> it's a map dot shame to think that I love you more than California Sunset. But yeah, it's like I ain't the runaway kind. So it's explaining his end of things, giving context like I'm just not the runaway kind. And I can't change that. My heart's stuck in these streets like the train tracks. I mean, more hometown, mm. small town images, right? You can see the tracks that are either running through town or outside of town. You, you see them in the ground. City sky ain't the same black. What a cool way of saying it. In, other words, in the small town out in the country, yeah, it gets dark at night. And you can see the mm-hmm. No light pollution. Yeah, exactly. Just another way of setting up his side of things. And ain't it a shame? He's not happy about this. It reinforces that melancholy. He's not mad. It's a shame, man. So more imagery explaining why he's not leaving. Again, it tells us by showing us. He doesn't just say, this is home for my heart, Right. No, he says, my heart's stuck in these streets like the train tracks. So you're pulling double duty with this line. You're explaining his emotional truth, his emotional situation, but you're also presenting it in hometown, small town imagery, which is on theme. So you see how these lines are doing more than one thing. I've heard some podcasts and some interviews and stuff, say Joss Whedon about the first Avengers movie and some scenes about each scene needs to accomplish multiple things. And Mm. it's serving multiple purposes in the narrative. Somebody's saying something here and that accomplishes this and this other thing's going on in the background because they have to be efficient with their use of time. Same thing with song lyrics. Like this song lyric, this in my heart stuck in these streets like the train tracks is serving multiple purposes. It's reinforcing the hometown imagery. You're seeing it. Mm -hmm. It's also moving the emotional narrative forward, or at least deeper. You're going deeper into that and you're understanding what he's feeling, why he's feeling it. And you're also giving the hometown imagery. So this stuff does not happen on accident. The way you're able to make these songs feel very rich and real in not a whole lot of words. So take note. And also MapDot talks about a small town again. So you're staying on theme. It's not just a shame. It's a MapDot shame. Moving on to the bridge, because I know our time's getting up there. So I love the first half of this bridge says, yeah, you got a wild in your eyes that I just wasn't born with. I'm the same gas station cup of coffee in the morning. Mm. For one thing, born with in the morning is a cool little off, different rhyme, you know, so you don't, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not moon, June. But again, they show us the wild is in her eyes. So we see her eyes. It's not just her gypsy ways or just her wild spirit. And I can't see that, but you got a wild in your eyes. 
that I wasn't born with. So again, you got this and I don't. And instead of him saying, I like my everyday routines here, instead of saying, I like the everyday routines, he shows us. He says, I'm the same gas station cup of coffee in the morning. That proves that he's not the wild, wandering, runaway kind. Yeah. He goes and he gets his coffee at the gas station every morning. And the fact that it's a gas station adds more to the hometown imagery and feel of it. So even if his town has a Starbucks, he's not the kind of go there. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it ain't corporate. It's Tom's Super Service Station. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's coffee. Black, don't confuse me with mocha chocolate chinos, okay? It's gas station coffee. It's cheap and it's hot. And there we go. So that also serves of showing his emotional state of, I like this routine kind of thing. And I don't need all the fancy stuff. He's not at home doing his own pour over in his French press and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this guy's not that guy. Gas station, cup of coffee, nothing fancy. And he's fine with that every morning in routine. And she's not that way. She has the wild in her eyes that he just doesn't have. And so you're showing what we need to see. And it reinforces again all over the place. You know, it's pulling double duty. Mm -hmm. The back half of the course kind of confused me. So I'll go ahead and point that out too. Bridge, you mean? The bridge. Sorry. Yeah. I'm confused right now. While you're talking, I'm trying to figure out what the hell does he mean? And do you know? On the what? The back half of the... The bridge. Yeah. It confused me too. So it says, I need the house on the hill, girl. I need the house on the hill, girl, not in them. So hang on to these words till the avenues make you forget them. The line, I need the house on the hill, girl, not in them. I think what he's talking about here is he's saying he needs a house on a hill and a not a house in the hills, like Beverly Hills. Because uh, we already said she's going to California. But I had to do some homework on that line. I dig the thought, but personally, I don't love that line. Just being honest, full disclosure there. Just because it made me work for it. Like, I just didn't get it. So it just kind of bounced off and didn't affect me emotionally. It just, I don't know. I, I see a house on a hill and I get the cleverness of I need a house on the hill, not a house in the hills. But I had to do some homework. I don't like when songs give me homework, but I don't think they meant to. So obviously that one line doesn't derail the song. But now that I know what it means, or at least I think I know what it means, oh, okay, I get it. And then it ends with, so hang on to these words till them avenues make you forget them. So in other words, just remember I love you, but eventually you're going to forget them. So in a way, that's kind of closure. He's not asking her or expecting her to come back or to stay. Just hang on to these words till you forget them. So living out there makes you forget about me and what we have or whatever. And, you know, that's sad, but it also brings a resolution to the song. Yeah, like an end of an era kind of a feeling. Yeah, there's closure there. There's a little bit of an emotional journey to this song, too. It doesn't end in really the same place it started. So even though it's not a story song, like a linear this happened, then this happened, then this happened type of story, there is that kind of emotional, it feels like there's some resolution there. You start off with, we're the home team. Everybody's rooting for us. But there's this problem. I can't love you more than my hometown. And here's why, third verse, my heart's stuck in these streets. And then Bridge, like, I need something different, and I just wasn't born that way. And then just remember this till you're gone and you forget it. So it feels like a complete kind of arc of thought, even though it's not a story story. So there's still ways to get imagery in a song that's not a story song, in a way to get an emotional arc. I had someone ask me the other day about, like, what do you do with second verses when it's not a story song? I'm like, you still need progress. You still need movement of some sort, even if it's just emotional journey progress and this song has that arc to it so when you hit that you know just remember till these avenues make you forget them and you go into that course it feels resolved you're not coming back and i'm not going to ask you to stay and i know you're going to move on but just remember this till you don't 
Well, you know what? Let's talk about that movement for a second. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning, without being like a don't take the girl, where it's like three separate sort of verses and you can see it moving through time. Got little vignettes and Yeah, little vignettes. The opening verses, they set the scene. It's act one, mm-hmm. right? Our mamas are best friends and so are we. The whole town's rooting for us like the home team. We're most likely to settle down, plant a few roots deep and let them grow. But we can't stop the world from spinning. Your bright lights call. Now right there he sort of hints about act two, right? Act two is where the conflict happens. Conflict has to happen. Yeah. Or it's not interesting. If yeah. the song was whole town's rooting for us, our mamas are best friends, and then we stayed here and we're happy. It's not interesting, right? So it says your bright lights called. I don't blame you for picking up your big dream bags are all packed up and ready to go. I just need you to know. So he sort of sets the scene so you know what's happening, mm-hmm. right? And then you know they're in love, you know they're in a small town. And the second half of that, he lets you know, okay, she's leaving. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Then what does he say in the second verse is he's explaining why he's not going with her. Exactly. Yeah. There's movement there. Here's what's happening. We love each other and we grew up here, but now you're going to leave. Here's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess in the bridge, he's just kind of a little bit of reiteration saying again, how I feel about it. But then the resolving of just remember this as long as you can. Yeah. I'm not asking you to stay or to come back. Really, really cool. So he's setting her free in a way. I'm a little thought put into that for dumb country song, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, man may talk slow, but it doesn't mean they're stupid. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing about this stuff is we put thought into these things. Now, obviously, I'm not a writer on this thing, but I can imagine the conversations that they're having in the writer's room because I have them in the writer's room going, what's the situation? What are these characters feeling about this? Even if the character is us, what happened? What do I feel about this? Whatever it is, you're trying to make it real in the mind and the heart of the writer so you can express that and go, okay, what needs to be said here? What have we not covered to connect the dots for the listeners so they can go on this journey with us? And it doesn't happen by mistake. They just weren't saying, oh, this sounds good. We'll just say this in the second verse. Why? Because it's cool. It serves a purpose. Each line of this thing, each section of this thing serves a purpose. Then you put it all together and you get this cookie cutter country song. (laughs) You get this good radio hit suspicious corporate radio compliant thing that has thought put into it. But at the same time, that whole you're leaving, but I'm staying thing still feels fresh, kind of a different take on it. And you're talking about conflict, Johnny. Yeah, it wouldn't have been interesting if it was called more than my hometown and we're happily here in my hometown. But just so you know, I love you more than this hometown that we're happily staying in. Well, then why are you saying this? It matters because she's leaving. Yeah. And the last chorus, he switches it up a little bit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I actually forgot to put that in front of me here. So it starts out again with, because I love you more than a California sunset. I love you more than a $20 sundress. Mm -hmm. I hate that loaded car you got your keys in. He's watching her go right now. That puts some Some closure. Now, all of a sudden, it feels like this is what's going on in his head as he's saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. I hate that loaded down car you got your keys in. But girl, I hate it even more that you're leaving. Girl, but I hate even more that you're leaving because I love you more than the feeling when the bass hits a hook. Mm. When the guy gets a girl at the end of the book, we're back to that. But this ain't you and me, so I guess I'll see you around because I can't love you more than my hometown. Yeah. So it resolves. A little twist at the end there. This is kind of setting like this is what happens. So that's my take on more than my hometown, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can hit us up with your thoughts in the comments in the Climb community or wherever you see this episode posted. I'll post it in songwritingpro.com. It'll be in you know, our various Facebook groups and online and stuff. And I'd 
love to hear your thoughts on it. If there's something that we didn't cover that you thought was cool or something that you disagree with that you think sucks about it. I don't know. Let's just have a conversation about it. I think we can learn from it. And I just love to hear your thoughts and get to know you better. So I have a free ebook I'd like to give to you. So it's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. You can find it at songwritingpro.com. Just up at the toolbar, top menu bar, it says free gift. You click on that. It's a ebook called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. It's some of the lessons I've learned from my time in the music business. It's free. It's my gift to you. You just tell me where to send it on the page there. And then we email it off to you. And thank you for hanging out with us. All right. Well, hey, guys, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcast. Leave a rating and review. We'd love to get to 200 here by the end of the year. Tell a friend about it and join the Climb community. There's lots of good stuff going on there, guys. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.